everyone, and welcome to this episode of Langer at the Mic. We decided to do a little Habs versus Leafs talk here on Langer at the Mic. Montreal Canadiens are off tonight, and so are the Toronto Maple Leafs after fresh after the Habs beat the uh, the Edmonton Oilers three to two in overtime. The Toronto Maple Leafs beat the Calgary Flames five three. And we're joined by a very special guest. You've been meaning to do this for a long time. A fellow CSM College of Sports Media student, Mr. Jacob Bussey. How are you today, sir? I am very well. Thank you for having me on the show, Mr. Langer. Um, I'm obviously Jacob Bussey. I run my own podcast called The Bussey Banter. Like Mike, I do my own post-game shows of the Maple Leafs. Uh, you can follow me on YouTube at Jacob Bussey or just search up Bussey Banter. It shows up there. Same thing with Instagram. And uh, yeah, I'm just really happy to be here. Good to talk some hockey with another hockey fan. Absolutely, man. And uh, especially with the Habs playing the Leafs, you all know tomorrow night for the sixth time this year. We are after. No, it's, Brad... it's only the fifth, fourth, fifth, fifth time this year. Fifth time this year. Okay, yeah. So they 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 go at it tomorrow night and. Uh, Look, there's there's been there's been an up and down season for both the Habs and the Leafs. The Leafs, I'd say, is a little bit more up than down. You know, uh, the Habs they they won three in a row, but then they lost to the Senators. Whereas the Leafs, they had a streak of going like five in a row, of winning five in a row, then losing five in a row. Uh, but now now it seems like both teams are heading in the upward direction, going into the trade deadline and. Uh, they're they're look at this point like I think we're both pretty sh- pretty confident that they'll both make the playoffs right I mean the Leafs are gonna win the division right um, but uh, but here's something interesting in Leafs land that is applicable to Habs fans is there's a guy named Alex Galchenyuk who I think the Habs drafted third overall in 2013 or 2012 no I know he got drafted third overall um, but he went from Montreal I'm gonna see if I can get this right off the top of my head here right so he went from the Habs he went to the Penguins, he went, no, sorry, Habs, Coyotes, Coyotes. Penguins, Wild, Senators, Hurricanes, Leafs, right? Yeah, that sounds right to me, I think. But something's been happening to him in uh, Toronto, right, uh, Mr. Bussey, right? Something's been happening to him in Toronto that's been, that he's experienced for the first time since his 30-goal season in Montreal. Yeah, I was just about to say, ever since his, his that incredible season he had with 30 goals, uh, he's playing out of his mind, playing on the second line with uh, Nylander and Tavares, and he looks like a mini Hyman out there. He's skating fast, and he's going in the corner, and he just got his first goal the other day against Calgary in the first of the two-game series. Um, yeah, he's been playing great. I would argue he's one of the best players on the Leafs right now. Like, he's been playing that well. I'm I, I'm shocked that he's been jumped around so many teams like this. Uh, what was the reason Montreal got rid of him in the first place? Well, I will tell you this, like his biggest struggles throughout his entire career, not just in Montreal, but also in Arizona, Pittsburgh, Minnesota, Ottawa, Carolina, right? Yeah. He, it was his play without the puck. Now he was drafted as a center. He was a, uh, a stud with the Sarnia sting in the OHL when he got drafted. He was a guy, he, but then he also suffered an ACL injury. And but he came back in that lockout season, that NHL lockout season in 2012, and he also just kept it up. Like he just was playing at a high level with the Sarnia Sting, and he earned a spot with the Habs. But to me, the issue with Galchenyuk has been two things. It's been, or maybe even three things. It's been health, it's been confidence, and play without the puck. And he had a he had a 30 goal season a couple of years ago with the Canadians. I believe it was 2015, 2016. But again, as a centerman, like he's playing on the wing right now in Toronto, right, with the Leafs and, uh, and yeah. like with with uh, Tavares and William Nylander. But but it's just in Montreal, it's always been an issue of just not just not being in the right place at the right time, 
with, like it's never been a question of talent. It's just been a question of consistency and play without the puck. I mean, what? How, how has that been different with him in Toronto so far? Well, I feel like a big thing is when he jumped from team to team, he didn't he didn't really have that confidence, like you said. Uh, when he first got here, he was part of the Marlies. He didn't right away come to the the Maple Leafs. He was Marlies. You're gonna play there for a bit. You're gonna see how you play, and then so that brings up his confidence a little bit because he scored quite a bit in the Marlies. And so they brought him up to Toronto, and he, ever since then he's taken the job opportunity and he's ran with it, or he's skated with it, whatever you want to use. But, yeah, like he does make a few questionable decisions off the puck. However, I think there's more pros to the cons in this sense, and he's kind of a player who I don't think really thinks about that injury that much because right now he's on a team that's in co- competitive competition to, you know, that's arguably a Stanley Cup contender. Um, so he's going to play like you know, like he did in 2015, like nothing else matters except the next shift and the next shift. And I think that's what his mentality is. And that's why he's playing so well right now. It's just such a cognitive dissonant type of feeling to watch him succeed in Toronto. Cause like on the one hand, it's like, you're happy you finally figured it out um, in, in Toronto. Right. But yeah. it's with the Leafs in Toronto. So good for him for finally figuring it out, but uh, hopefully he doesn't, hopefully I'm sure he'll score. I'm sure he'll find a way to hurt the Habs at some point this year with the, with the upcoming matchups. But did you read that article in the athletic? I forget who was uh, one of the Leafs writers in the athletic that said how the Leafs rebuilt Alex Galchenyuk or something. Yeah, I read it too. I don't, I don't remember who it was. It wasn't Steve Simmons because he says stupid stuff all the time, but yeah, like, I don't want to say he lit a fire in that team, but he definitely brought a lot of smoke and with his smoke, this fire. And then that team just kind of went around him. Uh, yeah. You could argue that he kind of fixed that team a little bit. They were struggling five of six at one point and uh, dropping. So well, it was more the other way around how the Leafs rebuilt Alex Galchenyuk or was it the other way? Yeah. Either, either way they complement each other. The way Sheldon Keefe coaches compared to maybe who was the coach back then? Was it um, Michel Terrien? Michel, yeah, it was Michel Therrien. It was Claude Julien for a little bit as well. And yeah, yeah a lot of players didn't really like Michel Therrien very much. Let's just put it that way. Yeah, I heard it was well. a, a very messy situation in Montreal. Um, but I, I just think he has this new opportunity with a team that he really probably wanted to be a part of for a while after he left uh, Montreal because it's on the uh, Toronto was on the uphill. Um, but yeah, I think uh, I think there's been a a spark lit in him and i think he's just going to run with this opportunity and, and just by the way it's funny to it was funny to see all the social media it took me a while to get it because i didn't realize what the article was yesterday or like i think it was until this morning or yesterday where i realized like about how it's oh the leafs rebuilding all Galchenyuk and all that because after that obviously habs twitter has to revolt against least twitter and vice versa so yeah. you saw a bunch of articles like how the habs rebuilt garth murray and how the habs rebuilt tom kostopoulos and all that fun stuff but uh yeah all, all this to say though here but there's a lot of similarities between galchenyuk and uh and and a guy currently on the canadians who is also going from from center to wing because that was another issue of galchenyuk was his ability as a center iceman was just not there like he just wasn't again the consistency the defensive responsibilities wasn't a question of talent as a question of responsibility and consistency and confidence of course but here here's the thing Jesperi Kotkaniemi right now is going to be moved to the wing with the acquisition of Eric Stahl which we'll get into in a little bit um but who would you say who do you think is playing better hockey right now Galchenyuk or Kotkaniemi um that's tough because I think they excel in different things you know, I think Galchenyuk is 
I don't. I haven't seen too much of Kakanyemi's play because I haven't watched. I mean, you saw him snipe Freddie Anderson in the last time the Habs played the. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, I saw that one. (laughs) Trust me, I saw that one. But I think, yeah, I think Kakanyemi is more of a. I don't want to say he's let. He's not as like driven to go in the corners and fight for those pucks. But I think Alchenyuk with the recent play is he's not afraid to throw his body in there. I don't know if Kakanyemi is the same. I haven't watched, like I said, much of him except when they play the Leafs. But from what I've noticed, I would. If there's a puck battle in the corner, I'd rather have Galchenyuk there than Kakanyemi. So, well, wait, so wait, would you say that's the biggest difference between Kakanyemi and uh, Galchenyuk? Is there? Yeah, I'd say I'd I'd say they're probably better on the wings than they were at centers, and I think that they'll probably be able to flourish on the on the outsides. Well, let me. I'll, I will tell you this. So, mm-hmm. Kakanyemi, twenty-year-old Kakanyemi, is much it, it, for Kakanyemi. It's been, it, he, I would say Galchenyuk was always more talented than Kakanyemi. But Kotkaniemi, again, has has more consistent confidence, yeah. is a smarter all-around hockey player, and that's what has enabled him to become a more capable center iceman. The only reason why he's on the wing right now is replacing Brendan Gallagher and because Dominique Ducharme wants to keep him in the top nine versus right. putting him on the fourth line. So with, with Jesperi Kotkaniemi... It's been a matter, and he's also really good at face-offs. Like he's becoming a much better face-off guy recently. So I, I look for him, even though he's playing wing. I th- that also could mean that Dano will be able to cheat more often on face-offs, and that means Kotkaniemi could jump in and uh, and take those draws. But to me, like I said, it's it, it's it's just the biggest difference. The biggest difference is that Galchenyuk is more talented, whereas Kotkaniemi is more has more overall awareness and hockey sense than Galchenyuk really ever had. Well, well there you go. Because because if, if if it was the opposite way around, Kokkinen was on Toronto and then did his little thing around the league, I could be able to... But you've seen both of them play, so you have a better understanding of how each of them play. Now, that being said, though, like I said, Kokkinen was replacing Brendan Gallagher on that line of Thomas Tatar and, uh, and Philip Deneau. And he's one of two injuries. Now, there was a time where the Montreal Canadiens, if they lose Carey Price and Brandon Gallagher for several games, that they would be screwed. But that's not so much the case this year because of all their depth. I mean, at least we'll see. That wasn't the case on Monday against the Oilers. We'll see how it continues going forward. Brandon Gallagher with that awful broken thumb injury out for six to eight weeks or however long because it's like the third time in Gallagher's career where he gets like shots right to the wrist like that. Any guys on the Leafs ever happened to like? Who would you say is one of the unluckiest guys on the Leafs like that? Oh, Wayne Simmons. Oh man, I remember he got his injuries out for six weeks. Literally, the puck was the puck was being dumped. This was a few. This was obviously six weeks ago. They were playing Edmonton in that crazy three-game series, like the first game or something. At the end of the game, puck gets shot down like as a clearing attempt. It hits Muzzin in the hand. Boop, broken hand. That's unlucky. But I think the unluckiest person on that team was Jack Campbell, um, because he was playing outstanding he still is playing outstanding and obviously we'll get to that later but he was playing outstanding and then he gets hurt like he was out for three weeks and multiple games there and the Leafs really struggled that was that five to set five losses in seven games streak the Leafs were on without Jack Campbell so they really really were unlucky with that yeah we'll get to the goaltending in a little bit because uh, we want to talk about the changes of goaltending but first I do want to mention something here so Nick Robertson made his debut in the playoffs last year for the or in the bubble for the the playing round i can't really say playoffs because they didn't really make the playoffs technically right. they made they lost in the play into the uh Columbus that's a, that's Jackets. There. I, I had to rub that in your face there yeah, yeah of course like Buss, you had to i had to rub that in your face right there but to me though with cole Co- you, you look at 
comparing prospects last year it was all about Leaf fans comparing comparing Nick Robertson to Nick Suzuki and now Nick Suzuki is a regular for the Habs I mean he's been a little inconsistent this year he's been great at times a little iffy at times but now I think some Leaf fans have been comparing Nick Robertson to Cole Caulfield so to me though Cole Caulfield is a guy that if, if you're gonna and I'm gonna write about this uh for for Chris's class there but Cole Caulfield right now is a guy that should absolutely like now's the time for him to get his chance with the Montreal Canadiens with his goal scoring ability with his even at the lack of size but given Brendan Gallagher's injury Cole Caulfield is the time is now for him to get a chance give him maybe one or two games in Laval just to get his feet wet because logistically it's tough to, to to maneuver between from from uh from Wisconsin to quarantine to Laval to to Montreal but but yeah, Cole Caulfield. Look out for Cole Caulfield in uh, in a couple of weeks, and uh, or, or hopefully sooner than later, especially with the Brand Gallagher injury. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I've been watching his play with the whole uh, NCAA uh, Frozen Frozen Four. He's been playing out absolutely outstanding. I think he's one of the best prospects this year for sure. Do you think he's a guy that uh, that can put the Habs over the top, though? Uh, it's going to be, a, I think for Montreal, I think what they really need are those guys, like you said, Kakanyemi, Suzuki, and then Caulfield, Caulfield when he comes in, the consistency. They just they have the talent and they have the awareness. They just need to be able to do that every single night or at least every other night to give the Habs a good chance to get to the top of the, uh, probably what will be the East Division again next year. Or the yeah, Atlantic, obviously, yeah, well, I guess I mean, we'll, we'll have to see how the divisions change next year, but but the Brandon Gallagher injury, obviously a huge loss to the Montreal Canadiens. At least they do have the depth to, to to survive and manage that. And they also have the depth to survive and manage a Carey Price injury right now who has a lower body injury. Tweaked it when Josh Archibald ran into him in the second period against the Oilers last night on Monday. But now he'll be, he's said, to, he's, it's said that he'll miss about two to three games due to that injury. And in comes Jack, uh, Jake Allen. I was going to say Jack Campbell. In comes Jake <laughs> Allen. And you look at the Leafs goaltending situation, like we just mentioned, you had Freddie Anderson, number one guy, beginning of the year, playing a little iffy up and down. I, I personally don't think Freddie Anderson's the reason why the Leafs struggled in the games that they struggled in. But it's just, what do you think of this 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 turn of events? It used to be Price versus Freddie Anderson. Now you got Jake Allen versus Jack Campbell. Yeah, weird. It's like the backups are going to make a really good, you know, um, kind of resume to be a starting position are they the backups though uh that's that's another good question uh frederick anderson's playing his worst hockey since being a leaf correction the worst hockey in his career he's below 900 he has above he has almost a three goals against average while you look at someone like jack campbell who's almost who's barely getting a one and a half goals against average and in the last nine games played by any goaltender he has the best save percentage and best goals against average tied felix potvin and turka broda's goaltending record of nine straight wins so in my mind if he keeps playing like this there's no question freddie's gonna walk on the offseason leaves got too many free agents they gotta resign and jack's just playing way better i mean to me and at least in toronto it's it's montreal might be a little bit different or is it well we could talk about that but to me though it's not so much about freddie anderson being bad it's more about just how good jack campbell has been and the leafs have way less invested in in, in Freddie Anderson, the Habs doing price. Price is $10.5 million cap it for the next five, six years. Whereas Freddie Anderson, at least they can let him walk at the end yeah, of free agency. And five, like, what, what, is, what, is, like, like what has been the biggest issue in, in Freddie's game so far, do you think? Well, he's out right now with an injury, so you can argue that. Health. But 
here's here, here's another problem, and this is a problem that I saw when we picked up Frederick Anderson in a trade with Anaheim in 2015. The Leafs are so good at letting 30 shots on a goal uh, on goal every single night, and Anderson was playing 62 to 65 games a season, which leaves like no room for error, and it's just gonna take a toll on your body. So it all comes back to health. Anderson's out, Price is out, and now the backup goaltenders who are both healthy, although Jack does have a lingering leg injury, who which hasn't been bothering him recently. So uh, fingers crossed on that one. But it, it comes down to health. And Freddie's just not been healthy, and he's just showing it. Well, by the way, just a little uh, tidbit here. The last time, you know what happened last time Jack Campbell played against the Montreal Canadiens? Was it, was it, was it even? Oh, yeah, they won in 2-1 in overtime, right? Ilya Kovalchuk, baby. Kovalchuk. Suzuki on the breakaway, got poke yeah. checked by Jack Campbell. Kovey was right there, buried oh, yeah. it, did the freaking Sully, the, the salute to his uh, family in the uh, press mm-hmm. box there. And yeah. I think it was my cousin who, by the way, was uh, at that game in the front row on the other side. Uh, shout out to uh, Jeremy Lang, by the way, Lang underscore 2727 on Twitter. And he basically, like, uh, you know, the Habs goal song, like, da 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 da, hey, da. like, it was like, da 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 da, middle finger, da 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 da, middle <laughs> finger, you know? So, anyway, just, uh, so that's the last time Jack Campbell played against the Montreal Canadiens. He's undefeated on the season, right? Yeah. Oh, he, yeah, 9 0 0. So to me though, like that's that's a like with Freddie Anderson, it's it's been a similar issue with Carey Price, at least in terms of his health in previous years. I wouldn't say so much this year. For Price this year, it's been mostly the way he like. I there's just something weird about how he's reading players' releases, like the the release of shots off players' sticks, like that Darnell Nurse goal that that uh, that like that was scored with 12 or 11 seconds left in the second period there. It was a shot from the blue line. Okay, maybe a little bit of traffic to his left, but not in the line of the shot. And it just kind of eluded Price. Like, it just, it, he just didn't get it. Like, it was a good shot. Don't get me wrong. But you want your goaltender to stop that one, your $10.5 million goaltender to stop that from, like, you know, all the way from the blue line with barely any traffic. But then and again, was- Price Price did make a lot of saves in that game to, to give the, ch- the Habs a chance to win, so... There, there was a goal when the Leafs played Montreal earlier this season when Matthew scored on on the was a blocker side I think and you know it went right under the pat like just over the pat I'm like Price would usually save that there was no traffic in front so um yeah I was shocked when that goal went in like I was happy but I mean you, like you said ten and a half million you got to make those saves but but again Price like I, I don't like to really talk too much about the contract anyway the only the reason for that is look Price is he's not going anywhere. If the Habs want to buy him out at the end of the year, they're going to have to eat a huge cap hit of dead money for the last, for the next, like kind of like the Di Pietro situation almost in, in Long Island there. But so that's out of the question. The, the best cha- the best thing for the Habs and Carey Price right now is just let him rest up, give him the best chance to succeed. Like with Freddie Anderson, wait till he gets healthy. And, and yeah, just give him the best chance to succeed at least in the regular season and uh and and he's a good he's done it before he's bounced back before he's played it at a very high level before even this year in the month of march he was unreal in the month of march so that's what you can hope for with carry price and worst case if it if he really struggles then you could always turn to jake allen maybe in the playoffs and, and same thing with the leafs i would say the leafs are pretty much more down that jake allen trail and the habs are down the uh sorry down the jack campbell trail than the uh, habs are with the jake allen situation right yeah, and, and like you said, Montreal 
it's basically a four-man race for the playoffs right now. It's Montreal, Edmonton, Winnipeg, and Toronto. So you don't have to put price in. You're quite a few points ahead of the next, which is Calgary. So you don't have to put price in. Like you can let them rest and get healthy. So when the playoffs do come, because I'm, because that's what I'll get into it later when we talk about what scares each other. It's it's Carey Price at the end of the day. Interesting. We'll get to that in a little right. bit. But you know what? First of all, I do want to talk about this because. Uh, there's a least Twitter and Habs Twitter go back and forth about this so much in terms of Habs making fun of the lease for Wayne Simmons and Joe Thornton, and Jason Spezza, and then Leaf fans making fun of the Habs for Shea Weber, Corey Perry, and then acquiring Eric Stahl. So let me ask you this here, uh, Jake, who has the better old guys, the Habs or the Leafs? Um, personally, I believe the Leafs just because of the veteran experience it brings to the team. I've also hated Corey Perry his entire career. Nothing personal against Montreal. It's just I hate Corey Perry. He's a, I've just never liked him. Uh, Shea Weber's slap shot uh, scares anybody at any time at any place. Um, but when you look at Spezza, Spezza seems to have found his old vintage ways. 21 points in 38 games played, which for a fourth liner is pretty, pretty crazy. Uh, Thornton only has 12 points. Uh, but the one that I think is the big game changer is Wayne Simmons. Simmons will box you out in front. He'll fight you. And if he wasn't injured, he's a healthy Simmons. He's been known to just create chaos in front. So, like, I would, like, I, I, I would kind of argue as, like, a Brendan Gallagher a little older. Because a, a prime Wayne Simmons, we go back to that Philadelphia team when he scored 30-plus goals. Like, he's not doing that anymore, obviously not, especially with a, a, a broke, with an injury he has to keep in mind but i think wayne simmons out of those three guys are the most important and it's also just a moral thing you know you got a guy whose leaves have never been a fighting team I've, and you've seen this through the past however long they've never been a fighting team they want well, besides fighter. the randy carlisle days days of you course know, where they dude, just were yeah, a fighting team that. and not a winning team there you go or you could even go back to ty domi and darcy tucker like you can go that that's how far back that you have to go but the, the Leafs wanted a fighter and they got a fighter in Wayne Simmons and and he's just kind of lived up to that potential in the games that he's played scored in the last game uh, kind of a crappy goal but a goal's a goal at the end of the day and uh, that's my personal opinion I'd like to hear your take on it so I would say Wayne so Wayne Simmons is not just a fighter like there's there's no like if you're just a fighter in today's NHL you're not a hockey player like you're not an sure. NHL yeah, yeah. player let's we have to be absolutely clear on that so Wayne Simmons has been very effective for the Leafs in terms of not only his fighting, but like you said, just his ability to to to, to skate, to hit, to, to get to the dirty areas in front and all that. It's like, to me, the way I see it, it's really a matter of, you talk about on the Leafs side, you have Spezza, Thornton, and Simmons. On the Habs side, you have Shea Weber, Corey Perry, and Eric Stahl. It's really a matter of, like, to me, you got to wash out Thornton versus Weber because they're kind of, like, Weber's been struggling. Thornton yeah. is not what he used to be. So I'm going to go with, I'm going to be a homer and say Eric Stahl and Corey Perry. You know why? Because Corey Perry himself pretty much changed the, the, like the Habs power play all on his own. Like the Habs before, I mean, it's also Dominic Ducharme and Alex Burrows, but yeah. Corey Perry, his ability to like, like he, he low key has, has almost a point per game in the last, in the last handful of games he's up to right now what is it seven goals yeah seven goals seven assists 14 points 28 games and he was also a star on the taxi squad so he had to come a long way to to be 
to, to, to finally assert his role. And he's moving up the lineup. Now he's on the third line, start off on the fourth line. And again, he's just so effective on the power play. And he brings an element that is missing from the Habs. So does Wayne Simmons, I guess. But you can say that skill, that that passing, hands, and, and, and the ability to stand in front of the net, like, is... Um, and cause traffic in front, but also like be productive at, not just get have the shot hit you all the time, right? Like that's something that the Habs have been really missing. And now Eric Stahl last game, like he's the tallest center on the Montreal Canadiens probably since Dania Zubris. Well, you know you don't you don't you probably don't know Dania Zubris is, but I know that name. Oh, that goes back to two thousand one. Just so you know, yeah, yeah. So he, he kind of like a Matt Sundin height though, right? You're talking six four, six five, yeah, one hundred ninety yeah. pounds. Covers so much space in the middle. And and while yeah, Spezza's been like really, really effective for the Leafs, like you said, I just I think Eric Stahl hit like what he will do for guys like Katkaniemi and Suzuki is just gonna exceed like Stahl and Perry at at forward have been that they've been they've been that much more effective. They've meant a lot more to the Habs, I think, compared to to Simmons and uh, Spezza. Because the Leafs were able to win without Simmons, right? Yeah, that's true. I just, I feel like it's, I think this is more of like what they're producing versus like on versus off the ice. Like I think the Leafs veterans bring more of a kind of intangible to the team, like a moral boost while the, like, the, like you said, stall Perry and. You, but you, you want to know, know something else? You want to know something else though? Guess how many Stanley Cups that uh, Corey Perry and Eric Stahl have between the two of them? Between them? Two, yeah. no? They have two. two. Guess how many gold medals they have. Okay, maybe not gold medals, but Eric, oh, Stanley Cups, they have two. Right? They got a bunch of gold medals, no? I mean, they do, but I'm saying they have two Stanley Cups where Spezza, Thornton, and Simmons. How many Stanley Cups do they have between the three of them? I don't think they have any. Exactly. Yeah. No. yeah. So. Uh, yeah. So I guess you can argue, but again, intangible versus tangible. Like, these guys are producing. They've been produced their whole life. Well, I think nowadays Spezza is more like, kind of a they just have fun nowadays and i think that's what they're playing they're playing for fun right now obviously not for fun they want to win but they're playing with fun but we can all agree that all six of those okay maybe five not all six but five out of those of out of those six guys eric stahl Corey perry jason spezza joe thornton wayne simmons they are all they have all been tremendously effective yeah on very cheap contracts very oh, cheap yeah. contracts yeah 100 is is perry and stahl on uh like so Perry's on, on like, a vet minimum. Perry's yeah, on a vet yeah. minimum, 750K uh, on the cap hit. And Eric Stahl, his salary got cut in half because uh, Buffalo retained 50% in the trade. So, so yeah, so basically they're all playing at, like, they're all, they've all been playing well above their, their pay grade on, right. on their respective teams. So we can both agree on that. And they will you be... Guys really, you guys really save Eric Stahl from Buffalo, huh? I mean, someone had to, and someone's got to save Taylor Hall from Buffalo, and someone's got to save Taylor Hall from himself, right? Yeah, oh, yeah, that's too. Because, I mean, I don't know if Taylor Hall is going to... Like, Taylor Hall, given his track record, look at the Arizona Coyotes where they were before he got there versus when he did get there, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I, I don't know. I'd be very careful if I'm trying to acquire Eric... Uh, not Eric Stahl, uh, Taylor Hall. Taylor Hall. Man, Buffalo is just like a black hole of... Yeah, but, but they would still kidding. find you know what the Buffalo Sabres if the Habs had to play the Sabres the Sabres this year the Habs would still find a way to lose to the Sabres man <laughs> it's honestly. the same thing with Toronto 100% but Toronto it's Ottawa way. yeah ugh, and the Habs it's Ottawa also Ottawa's like that that bug on the windshield that you just can't yeah. get rid of or like yeah, that bug just... that just keeps buzzing like around your head <laughs> while you're trying to just chill on your balcony in the summer you know no that's Ottawa you... yeah no many times you swat it away it's always gonna be there 
yeah exactly no matter how many times you swat away but you know what we're gonna go to uh, one of our uh, last two segments here uh, we're gonna get into our confession segment all right so first of all i want you to tell me mr bussy what scares you the most about the toronto maple leafs as a leaf fan uh um our power play it's we really? scored finally one for 29 we went for oh for 28 we finally got one. Oh my god it's like a monkey off your back but it is not good we got scored shorthanded on that power play we have let three shorthanded goals on this season for a team that's supposed to run away with this division that's pretty upsetting to me it just looks so bad the entry is just not there no one is shooting and they're all deciding to just ring it around the outside no one's going down low no one's getting in front of the net it scares me to see that because when the playoffs come those power plays that are so very rare because are become so much more important and some games have been decided look at that san jose uh vegas game last year was decided by a power play Granted, it was a very questionable call, but that doesn't go to show that. Like, power plays are so important in the game, and if you can take advantage of it, you're going to win. If I were Toronto to go against Montreal, Montreal's getting a power play, I'm and Toronto gets a power play, I'm more likely to go on Montreal's side of scoring than Toronto. Um, but, but hold on a sec. So would, you, would this come down to coaching or execution and effort by the players? Because like uh, with like you have forty million dollars tied in like what four forwards that have yeah. you know that are like Marner, Matthews, Tavares, Nylander, right? Like I don't have to keep reminding you. I mean, I I'll, I'll keep reminding you anyway. But <laughs> just but yeah, like that like is that a player issue or is that a coaching issue? I think it's both. You know, I think Manny Malhotra. We brought him in as a special teams uh, coach. Manny Malhotra obviously played in the league quite a few years. Um, it worked off at the beginning. Like we were first for probably the first three, four weeks of the season. And then it just kind of tapered off. It was kind of skiddy. And then it just went for that over 28. Um, and I think the players, like the Leafs are unreal five on five. Like they have one of the top five, most goals scored five on five. But I think on the power play, they just kind of take it. Like they want perfection when on a power play, you're not going to get perfection. Like they rely, here's what that is. You remember last year when Montreal and Toronto played in the home opener and Matthews scored those crazy goals on the power play over, that's not happening because A, Matthews has already had an injury this season and B, teams know this. Like, you know, it's going to go to Matthews if he's on his side, kind of like Ovechkin, you know, it's coming. So you do whatever you can to stop it. And it's just been like that all season. Marner doesn't shoot a lot and that pisses me off a lot. And it scares me a lot. <laughs> so there's just a few, like that power play. Other than that, I think, um, well, Bogosian is questionable sometimes. But other than that, I think everything is just clicking for the Leafs. Man, Austin Matthews is one of the most talented goal scorers in the NHL, if not the most talented, probably behind Ovechkin. I, I always say Ovechkin is the most, is the best pure goal scorer of all time. Like there's pure no, goal no scorer. about it, yeah. Yeah, because playing today's NHL being like, what, just under about... 100 and something 150 goals shy of Gretzky's record playing in today's NHL where yeah. goalies actually know what they're doing like mm-hmm. Ovechkin not as not, I'm not talking as an overall hockey player but as a pure goal scorer Ovechkin is the best of all time Austin Matthews might be the second best pure goal scorer in the NHL right now and I'm saying that full I'm fully admitting that as a Habs fan now he's also Matthews has improved at his faceoffs his yep. playmaking his his two-way game as a defensive player playing a full 200 foot game but one thing that Austin Matthews is still is soft. He is soft. And he can get yeah. rattled easy. 
in that overtime sure he scored the game winner against the edmonton oilers that, that game but as soon as he kind of got like kind of taken down sort of but not really goes to the ref what the heck was that are you effing kidding me blah blah, blah right so and, and then obviously in the home opener he had Sherratt and weber i mean look Sherratt and weber sure cross-checking a bunch of times but it goes both ways like yeah, the Habs have had to deal with so many of their best players getting hit from behind and not getting and having the other players not penalized for it. So it goes either way. But here's the thing: like Austin Matthews just complains and complains and just like he's just he can get rattled easily from what I've seen. He and, can and score I, goals, like he'll score yeah. goals for sure, but he'll get rattled easily. And if you look at the best players in the league, I think a lot of them do that too because they're the best players in the league and they're expected to get special treatment, which I think is stupid because you're a hockey player. If you're going to get hit, you better believe if there's no call, it's not because it's no call. It, you better believe it's not just because you're a star player. It's because there was nothing dirty about the play. And I think he's kind of, it's kind of getting to his head. You know, he's leading the league in goals right now by five or six goals right now. And I think that's, I don't, I don't want to say it's getting to his head and it's kind of making him think that he's like the best. But I think when you think like that, you think you're going to get treated like the best. Like, you can see McDavid, although not suspended, did get fined. McKinnon, not suspended, did get fined. So it goes to show that like no one's really exempt from a suspe- uh, from a penalty when you do something wrong. So he really, I agree, he needs to toughen up and uh, just play the game. If let the, I've always said this my entire career. If the refs call a play, let the ref like, like let the refs ref. You play hockey and let them ref. If there's no penalty, then there's no penalty. Keep playing, play until see- the whistle. Honestly, Jake, we could have a whole other discussion about the re- about the refs. So I wouldn't oh, fully agree with that statement, but sure. but at this at the end, but I will agree with like you have to focus on what you can focus on as a hockey player. And to me, it's like yes, star players look at Crosby back in those old days. He would complain all the time, but you know what? It wouldn't get in his head. He would come right back at you. Keep playing hard. Keep playing like Crosby. He's known for what the best grind, being the best grinder of all time, essentially. Mm-hmm. Right, playing hard, talented, aware. 200 foot game, passing, backhand, shooting, goal scoring, garbage goals, highlight reel goals, beautiful assists, face offs. Like he was an all around, like that's why Crosby is one of the best players of this generation. And yes, he would complain to the refs, but he would not let it get. The only, I can only think of maybe one time where it got into his head was in that series against the Philadelphia Flyers in 2013. That might be the only time, or, or 2012, 2012 it was. Yeah. Yeah. Right? 2012 or 2011 uh, or the year before. Uh, I it was think one it was of those years. Of, yeah, I think it was 2012, I think. I want to say, yeah, 2012. So that was maybe the only time that Crosby got rattled. But to me, Matthews, again, he'll score his goals. But when he gets rattled, he gets he gets rattled and he could get taken off his game easily. So, yeah, so that's that's the disadvantage on Matthews' end. And I think I could, you know, I'll, I'll talk about what I think scares me the most of the Montreal Canadiens because we've been enough on the Leafs here. So what bothers me or what scares me the most about the Montreal Canadiens is honestly their 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 ability to like they're 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 playing their own zone their breakouts like so many goals that they've given up like three of the five goals that were given up or the six goals minus the empty net empty netter three of the five non-empty net goals that have given up the sense were just simply because of either poor just 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 lazy careless dumb plays in their own zone or complete completely losing like who is the most dangerous guy in the ice losing awareness of the most dangerous guy in the ice and leaving him wide open like you had the it was the um it was one of the dadnov goals i want to say against the senators where you had kulak 
and Petrie and Kotkaniemi all converge to the Senators player. I think it was Nick Paul. I forget who it was behind the net, leaving Dadnov wide open from point blank, point blank range. And then you had Jeff Petrie or Brett Kulak, I think, attempt like a blind breakout pass, which got turned over. They got stuck in no man's land, pucks in the back of the net. That was, uh, I think, um, I, I want to say uh, I, it was uh, Josh Norris. The Josh Norris goal and Nick Paul goal. But then against the Edmonton Oilers last game, you have Edmondson gets beat behind the net. You have Shea Weber and Jonathan Drouin all puck watching him. Jonathan Drouin covering the back door, covering no one back door, just not having, like, like just standing there, not having any idea that that Drew Shore is right behind him. Or sorry, Devin Shore, not Drew Shore. Devin Shore is right behind him. So that's what scares me the most about the Habs. And honestly, I will give it to you. The Leafs defensively have been really, really good this year. Have been or, or really, really good. I'll say much better than past Leaf teams. Let's just put yeah. it that way. Yeah, I, I, go back to like the Gardner and Phaneuf era, and it's just complete 180. TJ Brody is probably the best defender on that team, like defender, defender on that team, because Riley, we know from since he was drafted, is a very offensive minded uh, defender, still a great defender nonetheless. Um, there was a game, I was going to ask you, there was a game earlier this season where Ottawa beat Montreal in overtime. Uh, Brady Kachuk walked out in front by their squad on Jake Allen. Is that another example of poor puck management in their own zone? Well, that's a whole different story. That's just the, the overtime struggles that the yeah, Canadians have true. had up until the last two times they made it to overtime. Man, on Monday, like yesterday with Eric Stahl and that 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 just awesome, like I was just yelling and like crazy when he scored that goal. Um, like that's like, like finally the Habs have kind of started to figure out this whole overtime strategy where they're going to try to keep keep it away from the top players on the other team when they start tire them out get them trapped and then change on the fly get their best players out there and try to take chances where they could like that and it worked against the Oilers yesterday but but to me like I wouldn't say like that Kachuk goal in overtime back a month ago and back in the Claude Julien days before Descharm that was more on the Habs just sucking in overtime versus their ability. But but yeah, kind of also their their lack of awareness in their own zone and their just inconsistency with breaking out of their own zone. Because if the Habs, they don't have a Matthews, they don't have a Marner, they don't have a guy that, at least right now, that is, they don't have a guy that can, that's like a top five, top 10 player in the NHL at forward at least, right? Maybe Kakanyemi, maybe Suzuki, maybe Caulfield, maybe one of those guys can become that, but they're not that right now. And Eric Stahl, Corey Perry certainly used to be that, but they're not right now. So the Habs defensively, if they're going to be in low scoring games, they have to be almost flawless defensively because if they're going to dominate a team 15, out shooting them 15 to five, like they did against Edmonton on Monday in the first period and not score, that's not terrible, but also you can't give up a goal with 20 seconds left on their fifth shot of the of the game. That's on Carey Price. That's on just, again, the three guys I mentioned, Drew Edmondson and Weber, just all getting beat yeah. all together at the same time. So that has to be better for the uh, for the Habs. Now, let me ask you this, though. What, what, what scares you as a Leaf fan? Jake, what scares you about the Montreal Canadiens? Oh, man. Uh, besides the fact that they've dominated us for the past 10 years... Um... Right now, as it stands, Montreal and Toronto would play in the first round, or at least that's what we think it's going to be a first round, I would assume. Um, and if I'm looking at goaltenders, Carey Price in the playoffs scares me, like absolutely terrifies me. Um, I will always make the argument that if he doesn't get injured in 2014, 2015, Montreal wins that Stanley Cup. There's, I don't, I don't think there's a doubt about it. He was the best goaltender in the league. But when he gets to the playoffs, he reminds me a lot like LeBron James of hockey. Like, he's just a different breed. 
And we saw it last year against the Penguins where they've knocked them out. Like these, the Penguins are expected to run Montreal out of town and Montreal put up a good fight against the Penguins. And then they put up a good fight against the Flyers who have obviously kind of shit the bed this year. Um, uh, there's there's Carey Price, and then there's the young guys, Nick Suzuki, uh, Kokniemi, and then Colefield you're bringing up. Like you said, they're not top 10 in the league. They're not top 20, but when they get there, Toronto's going to have to play them, and in that time when Montreal has developed their team, which they probably will develop them properly, then you know Toronto might not be at the same spot they are now then. So that scares me. It's the future of what's to come. Like It's like a, the ghost of the future has already said, hey, Montreal's coming, and they're going to be the Montreal Maple Leafs all over again. And by the way, also, in terms of their goaltending situation, um, you got Carey Price, of course, is like he was in a different league in the bubble last year against the Penguins and against the Flyers. He was in a completely different stratosphere in terms of his play. Uh, He's shown that, like, you've seen snippets of that this year in March, but over the entire course of the season... I, I, I would kind of be... I'm, I'm actually surprised that that's what scares you the most. Mm-hmm. I, I would agree more on the Kotkaniemi-Suzuki thing if they could get there. It, like, if they can be annoying... Because what they what Kotkaniemi is, like I said, is very... He's good on the forecheck. Like, he's annoying. Yeah, he, oh, he's so annoying. Oh he's, good as a, he's good as a passer. Like, him, Drouin, Suzuki, they're all really good passers of the puck. But to me, like, the Habs, they're 3-deep at goaltender right now. 3-deep because... Price, Allen, and also Caden Primo has been playing really well for the Laval Rocket. I, I just feel like if you give Price the rest he needs right now, which I believe Montreal should do, and let Allen play, Allen, also a Stanley Cup champion, also has been in the playoffs as a starter with the St. Louis Blues. If he's able to do what he's expected to do and Price gets that time off and Price comes back 100% healthy, then it, you know that's what scares me a lot. And if Montreal realizes that, if, if Bergevin is like, okay, when I don't care what you say to Charm. We are not putting him in. He needs to be healthy because, like I said earlier, it's basically a four-man race for the playoffs. Vancouver isn't touching the ice anytime soon. Uh, flames looks flames suck in the sense of the sense. Um, you need to give Carey Price that rest. And once he gets that rest and he comes back healthy for the playoffs, it's it, he lights out. I would actually say it's kind of the opposite. I feel like Price yeah. actually does need... Game, like not 60 games a season it's hard to say with the 56 game schedule and with obviously i have playing four games a week from here on out to the end of the season oh yeah because of their covid break that That's they are cool. yeah 10 day covid break there but to me with carrie price i've always said like like carrie price and jake allen this tandem is interesting because jake allen plays at his best when he has a backup goalers goaltenders workload so i'm talking like 30 games a year 30 maybe 40 games tops whereas price he's he's at his best i find 70 too much 70 games too much and i'm talking 82 game season of course but somewhere around 50 is most ideal for carry price because i when he doesn't play when he's not playing at the top of his game he doesn't play off and he doesn't play often that's when he starts to get a little rusty but if he's playing let's say two or three times a week i would say let's say twice like if they're gonna play four games a week if he's playing two or three of those games every week well that's where and if he's healthy and he's playing well then he's able to build on the momentum of his good games and that's how he gets so good in the playoffs because he it's just a, a different season different mindset he's been there before and i find whenever he plays well in the playoffs it's because he just translates his play so well from game to game to game and builds off of his performances and just gets his confidence going 
Yeah. Right. And 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 so I talked about Montreal and what scares me. What when you play Toronto, what is one thing you're like, oh great, we have to play these guys. What scares you about the Leafs so much? So you know what? Um, I wasn't gonna take the easy answer of Austin Matthews, Mitch Marner, William Melander, John Tavares. <laughs> blah, blah, blah. I wasn't gonna say yeah. that because look, they're gonna score their goals, obviously. Yeah. But to me, what scares me the most about the Leafs right now, like, and I kind of teased this before, is did the Leafs start figuring out this whole playing defense thing and this whole goaltending <laughs> thing? Because, because to me, if if yeah, like look, if Marner, Matthews, like the years past at least, yeah, yeah, sure, they're gonna score their goals, but they could be up four one, they could be up five one, five nothing maybe, but like five one against the Ottawa Senators, and blow and blow a five one lead or a four one lead. So, yeah. Oh yeah. Or against the Montreal Canadiens in uh, in that in the home opener, the home opener last year, yeah, where Kasperi Kapanen decided to throw a stick at Jeff Petrie. And then the Habs retook the lead, but then Matthew, Matthews tied up, and then Carey Price shut down Matthews, Marner, Nylander, Tavares, I think, all in the shootout. So yeah. all this to say is if the Leafs can combine their goal scoring with now actual good defense and good goaltending, that's what scares me the most in terms of the Toronto Maple Leafs. Because if they're not going to be... If they aren't the same old Leafs with even like going back to the old guys, Wayne Simmons, Joe Thornton, Jason Spezza. I mean, Jason Spezza was there last year. But if they aren't the same old Leafs anymore, and if they're this team that can score goals and play defense, that gives me that worries me in terms of playing the Leafs tomorrow night, and in terms of going in a potential seven-game series against the Toronto Maple Leafs as the Montreal Canadiens. Yeah, well, like and and you said the Leafs really well. Quick fact for you: that Brody was actually when Kadri got traded, Dubis wanted to trade for Brody instead of Barry. And look, well, Barry's kind of worked out in Edmonton, but Kadri said, I'm not going to Calgary. So that's how they got Barry and Kerfoot, which Kerfoot's been playing out of his mind. So Dubis wanted Brody for a long, long time, which goes to show that he's really been in having. Dubis, I think, is the best, might be the best general manager the Leafs have had in a very long time. Uh, and so I don't want to get too much into it, but he's been, he was looking at to, to fix the defense. He listens to the fans, and he listens and he reads the analytics and says, yeah, we need defense. And so he went on and got it. Are you sure you take Dubis over Lou Lamorello, though? Yes, because I think Dubis, being a lot younger, understands the game a little more. Lamorello made some very um, questionable trades, I, I will say. Um, but, yeah, I think Lamorello is a little old school, and I think Dubis understands a little more. I think Dubis was willing more to listen and understand what the Leafs brought and address them then Lamorello was more like, it's fine, we're in the playoffs, or we have a good team, we can score six goals and win 6-5, and and Kyle Dubas is like, yeah, no, we can, we got to win those 2-1 games, those 2 nothing games. Like, that's what I think the big difference is, and I think he gets along way better with um, with the players than Lamorello did. I mean, yeah, for sure. Like From that standpoint, Lamorello, I don't know. I mean, he was the guy that built all those that dynasty in New Jersey in the late nineties and early two thousands. Uh, but he's doing pretty well in long Island though. So you got to give uh, Lamorello. Oh, some, I give him uh, 100%. He's, sure. a, he's a good GM. I just don't think he fit the leaf style. And I or think with the Dubis modern, in, yeah, Dubis just the was... modern type of hockey. Yeah. Um, so one more thing I want to ask you though, because there's this, again, this whole debate over uh leafs Habs Twitter. There's so many things that leafs yeah. Habs social media debates about. And I even made a TikTok about this at Mike Langer <laughs> on TikTok, And I screwed it up because I thought Cam Atkinson was a Canadian <laughs> and uh, I uh, listed him as a guy that should be who, I mean, if he was Canadian, he should be on team Canada over Zach Hyman, in my opinion, but who is Canada's team? Oh man. 
This is if you're a Leaf fan and you say it, you're a jerk. If you're a Leaf fan and you don't say it, you're undermining your own team. Like everyone hates Leaf fans. You know this. I know this. Everyone, everyone hates school. Hot Science too. Let's be real though, right? Yeah. Okay. No. Yeah. Okay. I guess so. But they hate Leaf fans way more, and there's no argument there. They everyone will find a way to hit on them. So. If I say the, that Leafs are Canada's team, everyone's going to hate me because you're a Leaf fan homer. If I say they're not Canada's team, they're going to say, oh, but they're the best team in the league right now. There is no Canada's team. Every team that plays in Canada is Canada's team. Like, I can say the Leafs are Canada's team, but someone in Vancouver thinks Vancouver is Canada's team. Like, there's the, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't really matter who Canada's team is. There's seven different teams. There's seven different ways to split it. You know, we can all be friends here, can't we? Well, then again, here's what I will say. Okay. The Montreal Canadiens, they're Team Canada. They are Team Canada because they have Eric Stahl, they have Corey Perry, they have Shea Weber and Carey Price, who all won gold medals with Team Canada in 2010 and 2014. Okay, Carey Price in 2014, but yeah. And, and I think Eric Stahl in uh, 2010, not 2014. But anyway, so yeah. the Habs are literally guys. Uh, sure, the Leafs have John Tavares, okay. But the Habs have guys from Team Canada that won gold medals in 2010 and 2014 so the Habs by that step by that standpoint are team Canada but here's the thing I I come the way it comes down to me though is the Leafs you know what I could say the Leafs are Canada's team why wow. the same way that the Dallas Cowboys are America's team but what does that mean mm-hmm. absolutely nothing because the Dallas Cowboys haven't won haven't made it to the championship game in 25 30 years and the Leafs haven't won a Stanley Cup in 50 years and they haven't made it past the first round in 15 to 20 years. So from that yep. standpoint, from being in terms of the most prestigious franchise in Canada, that, but if that's what Canada's team is, and because the 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 the, the Leafs are have the, they're the the Leaf, they're the Maple Leaf, right? And the Dallas Cowboys are the star, and then you have the America Star Stangled Banner, America's team, blah blah blah. So yeah, great. Just uh, I always say the Cowboys are the Leafs of of hockey of uh, football and the Leafs are the Cowboys of hockey so from that standpoint the Leafs are absolutely Canada's team but if you're talking about who is team Canada of this division well you got to say the Montreal Canadiens because of all the gold medalists that they have from the Vancouver and Sochi Olympics I would also say there's a few more reasons there it's they're literally the Canadiens which translate to those who don't speak French to Canadians and um you guys have the most Stanley Cups in the league like I don't think there's much of a debate here like like you said in terms of actually being Team Canada, I think Montreal takes it. But like the Dallas and Toronto, in that sense of Team Canada, yeah, Toronto takes the cake. Uh, unfortunately, I will wear my dunce hat in the corner. <laughs> and again, like I said, it just it, just, it doesn't. It, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter because if sure. if the, the Leafs are the, are Canada's team the same way that the Dallas Cowboys are America's team, so at the end of the day, does it translate to winning? Well, at least not in the last. 50 years so or the Cowboys case last 30 years so um and you know what let's just uh it's been great having you on the show here on Langer at the mic and it's it's been great also being on uh Bussy Banter of course uh, as yep. usual hey you could give a big thumbs up on our video here and subscribe to both Langer at the mic for me and Bussy Banter for uh, Jake over here but let's just end with a quick little uh what, what are your predictions for the game tomorrow night uh, I think it's going to be a lot closer. I, th- I think it's going to be one of two things, either a blowout from one team or the other, or it's going to be a close game. Obviously, I think Toronto's going to win, but it's going to be either like a one-goal game or two-goal game, or it's going to be like a five-goal game. There's like no in-between here. Uh, is Jake Allen starting? It's probably going to be Jake Allen versus Jack Campbell. Yeah. Jack Campbell. So Jack Campbell's looking to make history, while Jake Allen's looking to uh, 
to stop that. So I'm going Toronto, uh, either a blowout or either an extremely close game where I won't be able to sleep for three nights. <laughs> so I'm going, I'm, if let's say you have whatever the over under is on what the over under is, I'm taking the under in this one. I'm taking the under this one. I think it's going to be a, maybe at most a four, three game. And yeah. Montreal Canadiens are going to end Jack Campbell's streak. Because Jack okay. Campbell, he's not that good. He's not going undefeated this year. He's got to lose sometime. Oh, I don't and think he's also, going to go undefeated. Yeah, I'm with you. And also, you look at uh, you look at regression and the the law of averages. I guess the every year, interestingly enough, the Leafs and Habs have alternated between the Habs having the Leafs number one year and then the Leafs having the Habs number another mm-hmm. year, and then back and forth and back and forth. So far, it seems to be the case that the Leafs have the the Habs number, but they're also playing ten games against each other. So yeah, that's uh, a large, yeah. that's a large sample size of games. It's not like five games on in a regular seat in a normal season or, or I think at most eight games like ten years not ago even. in the uh, old schedule. Oh so, yeah. So, yeah. So I'm going to say that the Montreal Canadiens are going to win tomorrow night. They're going to win by a score of four. Let's go with four three, and it's not going to be overtime. It's going to be regulation by a score of four three. Leafs are three and one against them this year, though. So, that's food for thought. But hey, like I said, a uh, law of averages. Law of averages. They and Jack Campbell, he's not again. He, he might, even if he does win tomorrow, he ain't going undefeated this season. So he ain't gonna. He, he's got to lose one of these games. And hey, if the Le- if the Habs beat the Leafs tomorrow, well, maybe the Leafs will beat the Habs the next time, or vice versa. So or one team will sweep the other, and then either one of us will be really happy, and the other will be. Really and then sad. and then the, then the Leafs will lose in the first round of the playoffs, like they always do. <laughs> Uh, no, if we play, that's a different. We'll get to the play. We'll do the playoff uh, closer to the, uh, the actual playoffs. Like, yeah, if if the Habs play the Leafs in the playoffs, like honestly, I, it's going to be a civil war. Oh, or actually, gonna, yeah. by, by the way, I'm just I'm I'm just uh, confirming. So it's expected right now. Jake Allen's going to start, and it's saying it's saying Michael H- on, according to Score Mobile, Michael Hutchinson is expected to start. Uh, that'll probably <laughs> change closer to the day. Um, it depends on. I don't know what it depends on. I didn't know that. I would assume Jack Campbell gets to start, but if they put Michael Hutchinson, they put Michael Hutchinson, and I cry myself to sleep. And I will rejoice at that. Like essentially, <laughs> essentially Hutchinson uh, versus uh, Campbell. It's essentially like Koskinen versus Mike Smith yeah. in Edmonton. Yeah. Like Koskinen is just like a rebound fest. <laughs> but 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 Hutchinson does get wins. He's four and two on the season, so he does get more wins than losses this season compared to the abysmal season he had last year. But if he's going to play, like, we've seen Michael Hutchinson, when he starts playing a lot of games, his play starts doing this, right? Yeah. So I, either way, just I, I'm saying I'm taking the Habs to win this one. Even without Brent Gallagher, Eric Stahl will have another. Look, he he, he, he was really good on the faceoff circle, but to, but he wasn't. He was okay at 5-on-5, five five, but I think he'll be better mm-hmm. in this game. And sure. he will make a difference. That like him and Corey Perry and Nick's and, uh, sorry, was uh, he's playing with Toffoli and Drouin. Play with Toffoli and Drouin. They were in the offensive zone the entire game against Edmonton the other night. Suzuki, Perry, and Anderson has been really good. Like the Habs, just that's what it is. It's their depth at forward. Like they're gonna come at you with three, four lines, and and they're just gonna they they wear teams down. They put up a lot of shots on net, but the question is, again, can they get enough goals? And then can they keep can they minimize the brain farts in their own zone? So yep. they're gonna have a brain fart or two in their own zone, like they always do. And the Leafs will capitalize, but the Habs will come out on top with a 4-3 victory. And there you go. So, hey, that's all we got here on this Langer at the Mic Bussy Banter. Bussy Banter at the Mic, I guess you could call it that, right? <laughs> Bussy Banter at the Mic. Uh, 
you can you can uh, give us a big thumbs up on this video like i said subscribe to bussy banter and here at langer at the mic you can follow me on uh, twitter and instagram and tiktok at mike langer what about bussy where can you reach bussy uh, again i don't have twitter but i have uh, instagram and tiktok uh, jacob underscore bussy 99 for both of them please uh the more the merrier there you go. So uh, thank you so much. Once again, thank you so much for uh, tuning into this episode of Bussy Banter at the Mic. He's saying go Leafs go. I'm saying go Habs go. And uh, we look forward to seeing you again next time.